Hello and welcome back to All Things Dark and Horrorful, the horror podcast that digs deeper into the mysterious, terrifying, scary world of the paranormal and all the things we were told never to talk about. Things like serial killers. Now, this sounds really weird and really strange, but I know that I'm not the only person out there that has an interest in serial killers. And serial killers up to this day, and serial killers that that, that murdered people back in the 1800s, 1900s, I find it all really fascinating, and the stories and the history behind them. And other week, I was sat on a Sunday night, and I was relaxing, I'd put my son to bed, and I was relaxing, and on my phone, as you do, just scrolling through Facebook and stuff, and I saw someone was watching a programme called Rillington Place. So I clicked on it. It looked really interesting. You know on Facebook when you share share a post and it comes up with a little picture and I saw the picture of the of this guy from uh, Rillington Place and it looked really interesting. It looked really creepy. It looked like a serial killer and I was right. I clicked on it and it took me to a story about a guy called John Reginald Christie and he lived in a place called Rillington Place. 10 Rillington Place to be precise in Notting Hill in London and he was a serial killer. So out of interest I went on the BBC iPlayer to see if I could track down this programme and I did and I watched it. It was a three-part series, it was it was a drama and it focused on the real story of a guy called John Reginald Christie who was an actual real person. Now the actor that played him, I can't remember his name but Wow, he was so convincing. He was brilliant. He played John Christie just brilliantly. So then after I watched Wellington Place, I did some research and found out quite a lot about John Christie. And I thought I'd share it with you guys because anybody that listens to this podcast will love this kind of thing. So John Reginald Christie, he was born on the 8th of April in 1899. And he was known to his family and his friends as Reg. So people just called him Reg. And he was an English serial killer active during the years of 1940s and the early 1950s. Now, he murdered at least eight people. And these are what we know and what he admitted to. So he murdered eight people and that included his own wife. He strangled them in his flat at 10 Rillington Place, Notting Hill, London. Now, let's dig deeper into Christie's life. So he was born near... Halifax, which is in West Yorkshire, and he was the sixth child that his parents had had. Altogether, they had seven, and he was the sixth one. And he had a very troubled relationship with his parents and his siblings. His father, he was a carpet designer, and he was called Ernest John Christie. And he displayed very little emotion towards his children. He would shout at him. He would. He would argue with him all the time he never showed them any love he never gave them any hugs he was quite a nasty man and alongside his father being horrible his mother and his siblings were also the bullied him put it this way that the bullied him he was known as a queer lad and he kept himself to himself and he wasn't very popular and people picked up on that including his own family and people bullied him for it and he would often be punished for very very trivial offenses so Nothing, nothing major, um, but everything that is did, he always got punished for. Now, on the 24th of March in 1911, his grandfather died. He was 75 years old and he died in John Christie's house 
after suffering from a, a really long illness. And Christy said that when he saw his grandfather's body laid out on the table in front of him, it gave him a feeling of power and it gave him a feeling of well-being. Now, I'm guessing this is where his, where his murderous side started from seeing his grandfather laid dead on the table and he got this, this control, he felt the control, he felt the power like he had the control. So at the age of 11, Christy won a scholarship to Halifax Secondary School where his favourite subjects were mathematics and he particularly liked algebra. So Christy had a lifelong problem with impotence and every time he tried to have sex, it just failed. He just couldn't do it. And people picked up on this. People bullied him for this and he got a few names and two of the names that he was called was Reggie Nordic and can't do it Christy and people bullied him throughout his adolescence because well because he couldn't have sex so as we've gathered so far he wasn't people didn't like him he was known as a queer lad and he kept himself to himself and he wasn't popular and everybody picked up on this including his own family and everybody bullied him for it so it sounds like he didn't have a very very nice life but still it's no excuse for murdering people I mean, I know people that that haven't had a good upbringing and they've turned out absolutely fantastic, amazing people. So, no excuse. So in September 1916, John wanted to get away from it all. He just just needed to get away. So he he enlisted in the army. And on the 12th of April 1917, he joined the 52nd Nottinghamshire and Derbyshire Regiment to serve as an infantryman. And in April 1918, the regiment was dispatched to France where Christie was a signal man for the Duke of Wellington's regiment. But that June, he was injured, and he got injured in what was called a mustard gas attack, and he spent a month in a military hospital. And following from this attack, Christie claimed that, that it had left him permanently unable to speak loudly. Now, I advise you guys to watch 10 Rillington players. You can find it on BBC iPlayer, just type it into Google. I'm sure you guys in the US will be able to track it down watch it because the guy that plays John Christie or Reg Christie as he was known played him absolutely brilliantly so yeah Christie claimed that this attack had left him permanently unable to speak loudly and later in life he also claimed that attack had caused him to be blind and mute for three and a half years so for three and a half years after this attack he couldn't see he couldn't speak when he could speak it was very very quietly he could not speak loudly so this caused his army career to end he could no longer work in the army. So he came back to a place called Sheffield, which is actually where I'm based. I work in Sheffield. Um, the Rebel Base Media Studio and office is in Sheffield. So John Christie had moved back to Sheffield where he met a woman called Ethel. And in 1920, Ethel and John Christie, they got married on the 10th of May, 1920. Now his problems with impotence, they they continued and because his wife stopped showing him attention, she stopped showing him love, so he went to visit prostitutes and that was the only way that he felt that he could get over the impotence problem was to go and visit prostitutes. And early in the marriage, Ethel sadly suffered a miscarriage and this caused the couple to split up, they separated. So after four years of marriage, they were only married for four years, they separated and Ethel stayed in Sheffield and Christine moved to London where he spent the next decade in and out of prison. 
while Ethel remained in Sheffield with her relatives. So for the next 10 years, they weren't together and Christy spent most of his time just in and out of prison. And he was released from prison in January 1934 and the couple actually reunited and that's when they moved in together in Rillington Place. So I mentioned that Christy was in and out of prison for the next decade. That was due to several criminal offences and the first one was when he started work as a postman and he was caught stealing postal orders and he received three months imprisonment for that and ever since then it were little things like stealing and and fighting and stuff like that it was just in and out of prison it were nothing obviously they had the criminal offences you shouldn't do it but it was nothing major it didn't hurt anybody it didn't murder anybody the murders came after so Christie committed his murders over a 10-year period uh, between 1943 and 1953. And the way that he murdered his victims were usually by strangulation. And he also used a domestic gas, which, were, which was carbon monoxide. They all got carbon monoxide poisoning, which made them go really, really sleeping. It made them go unconscious. And that's when he'd, he'd rape them and then he'd strangle them. So the first person that Christie admitted to killing was a 21-year-old Austrian and she worked as a prostitute. And on the 24th of August in 1943, he invited this woman back to his home to engage in sexual activity. Uh, At the time, his wife was visiting her relatives in Sheffield, so she wasn't about. So it was just Christie and he used to go out and pull these prostitutes and bring him back to his house. And when they got back to the house, Christy, what he used to do was, he had a rubber tube that he'd connect to the gas pipe in the kitchen, and he'd hold it with a clip. And he'd see his victims in the kitchen, and he'd, he'd release this clip, and then gas would slowly leak into the room, which caused his victims to be exposed to carbon monoxide. Now, the gas made the victims very, very drowsy. Afterwards, Christy would assault them, and then murder them. So that's exactly what he did to his first to his first victim. He lured her into the kitchen, turned the gas on. When she got drowsy, he dragged her up to the bed, uh, up to the bedroom, and raped her, and then strangled her with with a really long piece of rope. That was his first victim in 1948. Uh, a man and a woman called Timothy and Beryl have Evans. They moved into the top floor flat. So this was five years after John had committed his first murder. There were murders between them. Don't know the names, but they were all murdered in the same way. And in 1948, Timothy and Beryl Evans, they moved into the top floor flat at Rillington Place, where Beryl gave birth in the October. Now, they moved in Easter time, which is roughly March, April time. And in October, Beryl gave birth to their first daughter, who was called Geraldine. So in 1949, Evans came home from work and found that his wife wasn't there. And he just automatically assumed that she were dead. Why he just didn't think that she popped out to the shops or not, I don't know. He just automatically assumed that his wife was dead. So he ran the police to inform them that his wife was dead, um, even though he wasn't 100% sure. And then the police came and did a search of Ten Rillington Place, but they couldn't find the body. They couldn't find a body anywhere. And later, a search revealed that the bodies were actually found in an outdoor wash house. And the bodies that they found were his wife, Beryl Evans, his daughter, Geraldine, and a 16-week male fetus. And they were found in the outdoor wash house of 10 Rillington Place. 
Now, Beryl's body had been wrapped twice in a blanket and then wrapped in a tablecloth. And the postmortem showed that both mother and daughter had been strangled and that Beryl had been physically assaulted before her death. So obviously, the husband, Timothy, got arrested. And at first, he claimed that Christie had killed his wife in a botched abortion operation. But the police didn't believe him and they kept questioning and questioning. And eventually, they got a confession out of Timothy. Now, the alleged confession was fabricated by the police. They forced it and forced it and forced it until he confessed when he didn't actually do it. He didn't do it. But after being charged, Evans then withdrew his confession and once again, he accused Christie. This time, he accused him of murdering both his wife and his daughter. On 11th of January 1950, Evans was put on trial for the murder of both his wife and his daughter. And Christie was actually a witness and told the courts that he was forever hearing Timothy and Beryl arguing. They were constantly screaming and shouting, and it sounded like they were fighting. And as he was a witness, the court took this into consideration, and then they eventually found Timothy Evans guilty of murdering his wife and his daughter. And on the 9th of March 1950, Evans was hanged in Pentonville Prison. Now, after Timothy Evans confessed to killing his wife, um, which he didn't do, it was fabricated by the police, the police forced him into getting a confession out of him. It was brought to light that the police had actually made several mistakes in handling this case. And when the police went to search the house after Evans had confessed, they didn't actually do a thorough search of the house. They didn't check the house. They didn't really check the garden. Timothy had told them where his wife's remains were, which obviously they couldn't find him because they weren't actually there because he didn't actually kill them. When Timothy had actually told the police that he killed his wife, he said that he put her remains in the drains in the garden, which wasn't true, they weren't there. So the police just went and looked in the drains, they weren't there. and They didn't, they didn't do a thorough search, they didn't look in the wash house, they didn't look in the garden they didn't look in the house which is what they're supposed to have done i know that timothy said that his 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 wife's remains were in the drains they obviously weren't you didn't just go and look at the drains then leave it at that you will check the entire property that is what you're supposed to do and they didn't do that until they went back a few weeks later and that's when they found the bodies of beryl and geraldine and the six week the 16 week old fetus in the wash house and then they later found in the garden a human bone was propping up the fence how the police missed this the first time they did the search i will never know just goes to show that they didn't do the search properly like they should have done and several searches were then made after that and christy also admitted that his dog had found a human skull in the garden which if they'd have found these the first time and they did the search the first time when they should have done then Timothy would have still been alive because everything would have pointed to John Christie and not Timothy Evans. But of course, the police didn't didn't do it for research to start with. The, the handling of the entire case was just absolutely shocking, which caused Timothy to lose his life. It caused Timothy to, to admit to something that he didn't do, and it caused him to end have his life ended, which is just absolutely terrible. So if the police would have done the search that they should have done in the first place, all the evidence would have pointed to John Christie. So looking back, the uh, the courts and the police and everybody looked back at the statement, the first statement that Timothy Evans had had given, and it then they then concluded that 
it was actually a false confession. They they come to terms with the fact that they got the wrong man, they killed the wrong man, but obviously it was too late. There was nothing they could do about it. But it took three years after Timothy's death for all this evidence to be gathered together for him to realise that it was actually a false confession. And within that three years, John Christie carried on his murders. And on the morning of 14th of December 1952, Christie had actually strangled his wife while she was laid asleep in bed. And to cover up for his wife's disappearance, he wrote to her relatives in Sheffield claiming that Ethel had got arthritis and she could no longer write herself. And then he told one neighbour that she was visiting her relatives in Sheffield and then he told another neighbour that she was actually in Birmingham. Of course, after he strangled and killed his wife, he buried her in the back garden and with all his other victims. And between 19th of January and the 6th of March 1953, Christie murdered three more women when he invited them back to his house at Tenrillington Place. Now, of course, there was all prostitutes they'd met. He only ever met prostitutes because that's what he used to go out and, and sleep with prostitutes, bring them back to his house and, and murder them. One prostitute that he murdered was actually six months pregnant and he used the gassing technique that he'd invented, or they liked to think that he invented, on the rest on these three women that he'd murdered but with these last three victims that he murdered once they died he still continued to assault their bodies which then it was known as a necrophiliac and on the 20th of march he moved out of Tenrillington place and he subletted his flat to another couple that he actually took seven pound a week off them it wasn't his flat to rent out the landlord caught on what John was actually doing, called the police and got rid of the tenants because what he was doing, he was committing fraud. So when he, when John let his flat out to these tenants, he'd gone. He'd booked himself into an hotel in Roten House, it was actually called, in King's Cross, where he booked a room for seven nights. Like an absolute idiot, he booked it under his real name and his real address. But he only stayed for four nights. Because on the 24th of March, news went round that his flat was actually, it had been broken into. And he, he shit himself, so he just upped and left and spent a lot of his times just wandering the streets and going in and out of cafes and, and things like that. So when the landlord had got rid of these tenants that John had let into his apartment, into his flat, sorry, there was still a couple that were living upstairs and the landlord let them use John Christie's kitchen because theirs were undergoing some work and they couldn't get in the kitchen. So he, he says, look, there's a spare apartment downstairs, got a kitchen in it, use it as and when you please until yours is fixed. So on the 24th of March, when the tenant had gone downstairs into the kitchen, he wanted to insert brackets into the wall to hold a wireless set. And to do so, he had to peel back the wallpaper. When he peeled back the wallpaper, the tenant had discovered bodies hidden in the kitchen alcove and these bodies were the bodies of the three women that he had last murdered the prostitutes one of them being six months pregnant of course the tenant absolutely shit himself he rang the police he rang the landlord and then a search was out looking for john reg christie so on the morning of 31st of march christie was arrested and he was arrested on putney bridge after being challenged about his identity by a police officer and all he had on him the only possessions that he had were some coins, an old newspaper that had the story of Timothy Evans' trial. 
The police officer knew that this was John Christie, so he arrested him there and then on the spot, took him in for questioning. And when he was under the spotlight and he was being questioned, that is when he admitted to the murders of the women in the alcove and he also admitted to the murder of his wife. After that, the police had informed him about the skeletons that they discovered in his back garden and that was when Christie admitted responsibility for their deaths as well and he later confessed to the murders of Beryl Evans, which Timothy Evans had been charged and hung for, but he denied killing the daughter. He denied killing Geraldine, but he did admit to killing Beryl and told the police that they had hung the wrong man. Timothy Evans was innocent. He did not do it. Obviously, it was too late because they'd already hung Timothy. So when Christie was put on trial for all these murders... He pleaded insanity and claimed to have poor memory of the events. So the courts had got a doctor from Brixton Prison to look over Christie and to evaluate him. And he was called as a witness by the prosecution. And he testified that Christie had a hysterical personality disorder, but he was not insane. And he knew exactly what he was doing when he was doing it. After that, It only took the courts 85 minutes to find John Reginald Christie guilty and on the 15th of July 1953 at Pentonville Prison, Christie was hanged. So that's the story of John Reginald Christie. Very, very interesting, very sickening. I would suggest, if you can, to get 10 Millington Place. It is, if if you are in the UK, it is on BBC iPlayer. Um, I believe it's actually on Netflix as well. The people in the US might be able to get it on Netflix, but if not, just type in Rillington Place or John Reginald Christie into Google. I'm sure you'll be able to download it from somewhere. Watch it. It is very, very good. Even though the stories are very sad and the stories are sickening and they're not nice stories because people got murdered, people got hurt, the story behind it is very, very fascinating. And if you are interested in serial killers... This is one that I advise you to look more into because it is very, very interesting. So that's it for this week's episode. Join me next week on All Things Dark and Horrorful for more weird, creepy, terrifying stories that exist in the world today.